So back in our study of Exodus today, uh, we're, 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 we're moving right along. We're making progress. We will get through it in less than the 40 years that the nation of Israel took to get through. Does anybody want to guess what lesson this is out of our book, uh, of our study of Exodus? Number close. What was it? Uh, 34. So that's very close. Uh, in Price is Right, you wouldn't have, that wouldn't have counted because you would have gone over. So you should have said 33 and then you would have won. But um, yeah, 34. This is the 34th. Uh, so we're probably pushing a year into this. Does anybody remember when we started uh, in the book of Exodus? No? Okay. 2018? No. Wow. <laughs> wow. That was... So if somebody could pull the knife out of my back. So speaking of that, we will sing unto the Lord for he had triumphed gloriously. That is our June of 22. So almost, I mean, it was a year, the same month, right? June of 1922. Um, it's been 100 years we've been in this book. Okay, y'all are feisty this morning. And it's my job to crush you. No. I am super excited about... So next week, Brian's going to preach this, right? Back in the book of Mark. Right? I am really excited about the message the week after. And you say, why? I said, because this whole week, I was preparing that message. I thought for sure, Michelle can attest, like, the Lord gave me specifically the message for two weeks from today. And then I realized, I was supposed to... Read something else today. So, so in two weeks from now, it's going to be really good. Today, it's going to be pretty good. All right. All right. So Exodus 23, we are victory in feasts. And you can see maybe why I glanced over this. Like, look at it. So we saw through 21, 22, and part of 23, all these laws, all these ordinances, these judgments, that the Lord put out there so that the judges, not the judges we see in the book of Judges, but the people who have been established to judge matters could work through them. This is technically a continuation of that. That runs down, we, we covered down through verse 13 of 23. We're going to pick it up in verse 14. Three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. I'm going to read a little, I'm, I'm going to actually read the, read the rest of it and we'll come back to it. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded thee in the time appointed of the month Abib. For in it thou camest out from Egypt and none shall appear before me empty. And the feast of the harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and then the third, and the feast of the in, a feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. Three times in the year, all thy males shall appear before the Lord God. Thou shalt not offer blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, neither shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until the morning. The first of, thy fir- of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not see the kid in his mother's milk. Okay, so this is our passage. So first we have the situation. Three times each year you're going to keep a fast unto the Lord. Three times. Now, we're going to take a quick look at fast. Or I'm sorry, I said fast, a feast. 
a feast. Three times you're supposed to keep a feast. I don't know what message. Two weeks from now, it's going to be a great message. I told you. No, we're going to keep a feast unto the Lord. Now, feasts, they are meant to be observed. They're meant to be observed. We also see in Exodus 34, so a few chapters from now, we'll get there, say, you know, 20, 26 or so. Uh, what? Oh, you know what? I do have a handout. Why was nobody asking for the handout? I thought you just didn't have time to prepare it. No, you were... it's a great handout. It's a great handout. <laughs> In two weeks, the handout is going to be outstanding. Thank you. Thank you for being bold enough to interrupt me, Michelle. All right. So I don't know, I don't know what your first, the first word is observed. Yeah, you better write that down. Observed. Feasts are meant to be observed. In Exodus 34, notice that God reiterates this, these three feasts. Thou shalt observe the Feast of Weeks, the first fruits of weed harvest and the feast of the ingathering at the year's end. He reiterates the three feasts that, again, in a few chapters that he's laying out now. Okay, They're meant to be observed. This is not a casual thing. This is something God, God communicates clearly. They're also meant to be kept. Now, I guess you could say, hey, isn't that the same concept? Yes, in the sense that they're supposed to be like perpetuated you're right it's not just that you do it during the folks that are alive and someday it wanes not just that it's kept each year they need to be kept into perpetuity like as long as the nation of israel exists and and you know quick uh newsflash spoiler alert they still keep these feasts even today they were dispersed they came back together and they still keep these feasts so they're supposed to be kept not just in the year or a year, but they're supposed to be kept ongoing. And ye shall keep a feast of the Lord seven days in the year, and it shall be a statute forever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. And I really pulled that out because it's, it's the point that these feasts are supposed to be important enough that they continue to be observed. Okay? They're also supposed to be holy and sanctified. Now, if you echo back to our study a few weeks ago, sanctified doesn't necessarily mean without sin. It means set apart. Those days are supposed to be pure. Those days are supposed to be set apart. Those days are supposed to be special. Numbers 29 and verse 12, and on the 15th day of the seventh month, ye shall have unholy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work. Ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. Okay, don't pollute the feast with the things that you want to bring into it. Right. Keep it holy. Keep it holy. Keep it sanctified. Set it apart. Keep it and pass it down to your kids that this is important. I don't know about your work situation, but it feels to me like the guy that used to work there, the boomer. Right. Some of you boomers, I can say this. Right. It's okay. The boomer taught somebody. And something was lost in translation. You factor in the millennial component in that, or, or the uh, Gen X component in that, and they had their own filter. Now they are teaching the millennial, and the boomer and the millennial, and even others thereafter, like are talking completely different languages, just over a couple of generations. Okay, 
what we have to be careful about is that we don't lose focus of what the Lord put as a very important thing. That we're talking hundreds of generations, like could pass, but it still needs to be kept. These feasts need to be kept. You've got to keep it holy. You've got to keep it sanctified. It needs to be a sacrifice. You're stopping what you're doing. Look, it's an agrarian, it was an agrarian society, an agrarian economy, if you will. But you needed to stop what you were doing and put it as the important thing. In 1 Kings 12, and Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month on the 15th day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah, and he offered upon the altar. So he did in Bethel, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made. So, so there is this this concept that it needs to be set apart. You need to sacrifice. Don't do anything else during that time. And then it needs to be solemn. And in the eighth day, they made a solemn assembly for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. Okay? So there is this concept that feasts need to be observed. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to keep them as important this year. They need to be kept. We're going to keep them important and we're going to pass them on. They need to be holy and sanctified. We're not going to work. We're not going to do these other things. We're going to focus on it. They need to be a time where because we're not working, we need, we're going to sacrifice and keep these uh, places as, as kind of high um, marks in our, in our life. But they need to be solemn. Okay, They're not necessarily a time of craziness right they're a time of reflection so that actually brings us to our first victory principle today setting aside time to reflect is important okay setting aside time to reflect is important now the problem and i'm going to touch on this a few times the problem with holidays in the united states today is that we actually don't take time to reflect anymore we actually fill them with events, and some of them are great events. Like, I love having, Michelle's family usually comes over on Thanksgiving. My family comes over on Friday or Saturday after Thanksgiving, and I love that time. I love those few days of family, and there's a lot going on. There's football always on the TV. There's a puzzle usually going. You know, hopefully it's cool. You know, we're eating, we're hanging out, we're laughing, but we don't necessarily take a lot of time to just reflect on being thankful. Like, we've got to be careful that this is part of the reason the Lord established these feasts was so that they could remember what he had done. Now, in their case, it was, hey, remember what he did a few months ago, (laughs) right? And then it's going to be, remember what he did last year. And then remember what he did a couple years ago. And remember what he did five years ago. But in some generation after generation, they're going to be like, remember what he did to our forefathers. Remember how he delivered them out of the nation of Israel. Our nation was born out of the slavery and the captivity. Like completely disassociated of the event with the people celebrating it. Yet they still keep the feasts even today. So we need to set aside time to reflect. That really is important. So the struggle here, there's no verses because it's the three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. The same issue is a struggle. Now, this feast is a different word than a banquet type feast. Okay. 
So this is a case where, and I, I don't think I'm going out on a doctrinal limb here. Anybody in here can hold me accountable to today or talk to the pastors. This is the kind of situation where the English language has limitations. I believe in the translation, so I'm not saying the word is wrong, but we have one word that has feast that has two kind of very different meanings. And if we're not careful, we can conflate the two and end up in a bad spot. So the feast that we've been talking about up to this point is a very solemn event, a very humble, very quiet, very introspective, reflective kind of feast, okay? Not a lot of talking going on, right? And then there's feasts in scripture and a lot of feasts actually in scripture that are basically a party, okay? And that's where, especially when we look at it through the lens of, you know, modern day life, modern day Christianity, certainly first world country in the U.S., we, in, we can get in a bad spot because, the, so, so notice in Genesis 26, 30, and he made them a feast and they did eat and drink. Continues in 40, or same concept. And it came to pass the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast unto all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker among his servants, ultimately freeing one and killing one, right? Very different feast, same English word, okay? So we gotta be careful because this is not the same kind of feast. It continues in Judges 14. So his father went down unto the woman and Samson made there a feast and notice this phrase, for so used young men to do. Like, like they would basically have a party. There'd be a lot of drinking, usually, because that's what young men do, right? Job 1, 4, you may remember this because Job was a man that was upright and he was concerned about his, his kids. His sons went and feasted in their houses. They're not honoring God. This isn't one of the three feasts. Because Job would have participated and he wouldn't have felt the need to then sacrifice because of their feast, right? This is a party. Everyone his day and sent and called for their three sisters. Why? To eat and drink with them. The focus was they themselves, right? Was the drinking and the eating, right? Proverbs 15, uh, 15, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart at the continual feast, okay? Now, look, I'm not trying to pull that, but you've just got to be careful because a continual, God doesn't say have a continual feast. He says set aside these three days. They're special, okay? Now, look, I mean, I hope you have a merry heart and it's constantly like you can enter a room and, and you're, you're, you're good, you're having a good time. And I, and I mean that in all the right ways, but, but that's different. That's different than the set-aside, dedicated times that we're supposed to have, okay? So it's a different word than a banquet-type feast. We even see this pattern continue the same in the New Testament, right? We see this pattern continue. There's two types of feasts. I don't mean the three. I mean there's a category of a feast that's very solemn and a category of a feast that's basically a gathering, dinner. So, so arguably, the guys who came to the headship 
deal here on Friday night. We had a, a youth activity at our house, so we weren't able to come, but I heard it was a good time. I heard pizza was flowing. That's what I heard. Honey, warm honey drizzle on pizza. Who knew? Good deal. Um, that was arguably a, the second feast. Doesn't mean there was anything inappropriate. Doesn't mean people were getting drunk. It just was a dinner included with preaching. So there was a feast. They enjoyed each other's company, right? So his parents, in, in Luke 24, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, right? They went to the feast of the Passover to honor God, Jesus' you know, earthly parents, right? To go honor and you know, be, do the things associated with the feast of the Passover. But in Luke 5.29, a different Greek word, so there's two different words in Hebrew, two different words in Greek. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with him. Again, not to imply anything was wrong, but he had a, he had a gathering, he had a party, he had a, had a dinner, big dinner, a banquet type dinner at his house. Why? For the purposes of, of interacting and, and ministering, right? And, and Jesus was there, right? So there's two types so we've got to be very careful and this is where uh, and this is the point i'm gonna i'm gonna try to take i'm gonna be careful with my words because i don't want anybody to misunderstand me this is where the use of greek and hebrew adds a color or depth to the english language i believe the king james version is the word of god for english-speaking people okay but if you're not careful and you don't provide any color, you've got a commingling of two very different types of feasts because the English word, there's only one, feast, okay? So we just need to be careful when we're studying scripture because if you're not, you can grab a principle and you could make these three events basically just a big party, and they're not. They're not, okay? All right, so it's a different word than the banquet-type feast in the New Testament, okay? Now, the risk of this, the risk of these commingling these two types of feasts, not just doctrinally or the words, but the practical implication, and I've already kind of talked about it with our Thanksgiving, like how much time does Mitch Dobson spend reflecting on his thankfulness to the, to the way the Lord has blessed him and his family on Thanksgiving? Honestly, not a lot because we're busy preparing. I mean, you have to set up card tables and chairs and you have to vacuum and there's, yeah. there's like <laughs> stuff to cut up and there's, uh, what else do I do? I, uh, there's naps to take. I, I don't know. I, like what else? I, I, there's things. I don't know. I feel like there's, there's tablecloths to put out. Because you always have to have the kids' table, right? So we've got to set up the kids' table. We've got to make sure there's ping-pong balls and ping-pong paddles for kids to play. Like, there's so many things that Mitch forgets to be thankful, oh, on Thanksgiving, right? We've got to be real careful. I am, I am arguably as bad about this as anybody in the room because I, I kind of get Martha syndrome on these things, Right? I kind of get like, we have to have everything ready so we can enjoy the day as compared to setting aside the time and truly being thankful, okay? Now, I get it. 
like things need to be reasonably in order and you need to put away things that people could break or kids could get hurt or whatever. Our house is not particularly, I, I wouldn't say it's not kid friendly, but like we don't have like little uh, rubber corners on the fireplace, you know, hearth, those kind, you know, like, like we just got to do some touching up, making sure kids are going to be all right, right? If you're not careful, you can have the focus. It's like you can put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. I don't know if anybody's heard that, right? <laughs> like you can have the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. You can be doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing, but, but miss the point. And look at this. In Isaiah 5, Isaiah 5, and the harp and the viol, the tabret, the pipe, and wine are in their feasts. But they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of his hands. Like literally in their feasts, they've now added music. They've added wine to the feast. It's not a, I'm not making a statement on alcohol here. But they've taken the focus off of the Lord and the work that he did. And they started replacing it with other things that, that arguably are okay. And arguably are okay and even in that setting. But they've taken the focus off the important thing and they've put it on something else that's less important. And that's, you know, I am going to, you know, maybe I'm going to step on somebody's toes uh, that might listen to this. But that is why I have a hard, pro I have trouble with churches who spend 75% of a worship service in music and have a little message because they, what they've done is this exact same thing. They've not regarded the work that he's done. It's all about the experience. It's not about learning scripture. It's not about finding out how to implement change in your life. It's not about figuring out how to minister. It's about me and the experience I have. That's what happens in this situation. God didn't change the rules of Thanksgiving. Mitch Dobson changed the focus to the family event and to the meal, right? We've got to be really careful. Even in Luke 12, 19 through 20, we see the, the story, right? The, the parable and he's and, and Jesus said, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And, and you know, the, the man says that, but God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. We've got to be real careful that we don't just focus on the eating, the drinking, and the being merry part of the feast. We need to, we can't forget God. We cannot forget God. And so similarly, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but in Romans 1.23, and they, talking about the folks in Romans 1, change the glory of an incorruptible God into an image made like unto a corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. <laughs> So I know it's a little silly. And, and when I first heard this, there was actually a fourth illustration. The, the creeping things was actually tied to Halloween. But this is what we do as humans. We substitute the advent of Christ for gift giving. And look, Santa came to our house for years. I'm not, I'm not preaching against the little St. Nick, okay? It's okay. Like, I'm not mad at you. Like, if you put up a Christmas tree... I hope that you put the star on the top like Elf and you run and you jump off of the, the sofa and you land. Like, enjoy the holiday, right? 
enjoy it. But don't take the glory of the incorruptible God and make it like a corruptible man. Don't change the glory of God and make it like a bird. It's not Turkey Day. It's Thanksgiving. And don't change it to a four-footed beast. Don't focus on the Easter bunny and the egg and leave Christ out of his own resurrection. Like, we, we do this. And look, I, I, I set this tone. Look, if Easter bunny comes to your house and drops off eggs, I have no problem with that. We did it, too, for a while. We, that one seemed to drop off quicker than Santa, I feel like. <laughs> just in our house, but like, and hopefully no kids are listening to this message, right? Uh, I ruined it. Um, We should put a disclaimer on the, the, like, do not listen, like, explicit content. Do not let kids listen to this, to this podcast. So. Like, you can do those things. I honest, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody in this ministry preach against those things. So please do not take, that is not my point. My point is on the focus. Because God says, set aside three feasts for me to remember what I did for you. And one of them is the Passover, which was an amazing culmination of all of those, uh, of all of those plagues. And the, the, the impetus for their, their leaving Egypt, right? And then the other two, if you caught that, the first fruits of the harvest and the ingathering of the harvest. So the beginning of the very beginning of the harvest, which is actually early in the year. It's actually in the summer. And then the end of the harvest. Those times, why? Because the Lord blessed you with stuff. Give back to him. Like the last time I checked, there ain't a farmer that has grown a single thing. There's a farmer that's planted and a farmer that's watered and a farmer that's weeded or handled the the tares that would. But there isn't a single farmer that's grown a thing. God did that. Right. And if we're not, look, these things are meant to be joyous. Please, please don't walk away. I feel like I've got to caveat this a gazillion times. Don't walk away. I am not mad at Santa. I am not mad at Christmas. I am not mad at Easter. But look, I, Amos 10, 8, 10 rather. I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth upon all thy all loins and baldness upon every head. It's coming for you all too if you're not careful. <laughs> And I will make it as the morning of an only son and the end thereof is a bitter day. You better choose to honor the Lord in those feasts or there's consequences. You'll still have the feasts, but you'll be sitting with sackcloth and you'll be bald, which isn't that honestly that hard of a deal. (laughs) But but it's going to be as if there's no big family gathering. It's only a son. So there, look, correction will come. Correction definitely will come to the nation of Israel. Because this is the exact same thing is happening with the nation of Israel. 
they're moving away from the actual intent of, or actually I would say they have, moved away from the intent of the feast to the tradition of the feast and that which has been added into the tradition of the feast and they're missing what God's done. Like I have a coworker who is, who is I, I don't think she believes God even exists. I really, I'm not sure. I think she might be a Jewish atheist, but by golly, she keeps every one of these feasts to the letter. It's amazing to me. Completely focused off of the Lord. Okay. Principle number two, keep the right focus. Keep it. Keep the right focus. It is so easy to be pulled away. It's so easy to be drawn away. And it brings us to our victory principle or our victory section today. So I've read this. This is verses 15 on down. So it's what we've already covered. You'll keep the feast of the unleavened bread. You'll keep the feast of the harvest, the first fruits of thy labor. And then there'll be, and then the feast of the ingathering, which is the end of the year, when thou hast gathered thy labors out of the field. So there's a, a spring Passover. 50 days later, there is the first fruits because I don't know if you've noticed, but there are things already producing fruit, even in our culture, our uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, climate. climate, thank you. Our climate here, like we've got a cherry tree, and if Michelle doesn't get out and pick those cherries, the birds are going to eat them. You've got to do that. Okay, I'll help too. But we've got to pick those cherries. I mean, they're already, they're already fruit. Okay? So fruit's already happening early in the year. This is not just a September thing. And then there's an end of the year, end of the harvest, usually late September, October time frame, where they have their third feast. Okay? So again... If, and I, did, I feel like I did it disservice last week. There was a little, uh, there, we, we've got promises here that can't be fully fulfilled. Why? Because they don't have fields yet. They're still in the wilderness, but this is absolutely a promise. There's coming a day. Now, in their case, it could have been as soon as just the next year, maybe even that year. They could have been sac- they could have been sacrificing, they could have been having these feasts. Now we know they were not faithful and ultimately spent the 40 years, less time than it will take us to cover the book of Exodus. But f- they spent 40 years in the, uh, in the wilderness, and they really didn't have the opportunity to fulfill that second and third feast. And it's really interesting, in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, there's a bit of a trend. You might be able to push back, but I see it as a trend. That they can, in fact, keep the feast of the Passover. Because the only thing they have to do is produce unleavened bread. But they can't keep the fully keep the first fruit or the end of the harvest because they don't have crops. They don't have full fields. They don't have land yet. All right? Notice here in Deuteronomy 16, 16, he reiterates it. God does again three times, three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose in the feast of unleavened bread, in the feast of weeks and in the feast of tabernacles. They shall not appear before the Lord empty. 
okay? So we also get a quick insight here. Same three feasts. This one's called Unleavened Bread, Feast of Weeks, which was referenced. But now the last one's called the Feast of Tabernacles, okay? So we will see, um, well, we'll see it in the next slide. So hang with me. So men must present themselves before God. Now, this is an interesting, interesting uh, concept. And I actually considered putting this out first as a question before I, uh, before I did the handout. Would you like to be, would you like to present yourself before God? Like, I, I, I would like to present myself before God. I mean, Romans chapter 12, if I'm not mistaken, challenges us to do that, to present our bodies a living sacrifice, Holy, acceptable unto God. Like, I want to be, I'm not sure I, I live this life, but I want to live a life where I'm able to present myself before God, completely transparent, completely able to be used. And God's giving these men the opportunity to be representative of their family, to stand before God. That's a beautiful thing. Up to this point, they're actually fearful of God. Every time they see God move, it's with Moses. They pull themselves away from the mount. There's fire. There's stuff that's happening. It's like, oh, God's, a, God's powerful. God, I don't, I don't want to be anywhere close to that. And then God says three times a year, come here. Come here. Stand before me. Right? I mean, a parent that loves their kid, even if their kid's in trouble, wants the kid close to communicate. It's a form of love. It's a form of connection. So the men are supposed to present themselves before God. Again, we don't have time to go down that whole path, but there's also prohibitions. Notice there's no blood to be sacrificed with bread that has leaven in it, a picture of sin, and it has to be consumed. So no sin, blood sacrifice with no sin in it, and it has to be fully consumed. That's a picture of the Lord right? It's a picture of his sacrifice. We also don't hold back from the blessings God's given you. So when you have your first fruits, you need to offer those. Why? For the furtherance of the ministry, for the furtherance of the gospel. And then don't act like the world. This last, this is really interesting, last little uh, comment in verse 19. The first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house. Notice He's talking about thy land. There's coming a day of possession. Thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. And then this last sentence, thou shalt not seethe a kid in his mother's milk. Now, as I understand it, there was a tradition in this area that people would sacrifice, not a kid, a child, but a goat kid, and they would literally boil it in that kid's mother's milk and it was purely a sacrifice to mother nature or god you know whatever god they were sacrificing to so that there would be a good harvest the next year okay and god's very clear that don't 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 do that that's not how this goes down you will follow my laws you will follow my ordinances so i just think it's really interesting don't don't confuse yourself with the world Don't take from them what they do. You be different. You set the standard. They will follow you if they're interested in having a relationship with with God. Okay, and our last point or our last section here. So there's three feasts. I've touched on several aspects of this. There's the Passover. 
also known uh, of unleavened bread. And that's in the spring. Okay. Then there's the harvest, the first fruits. So again, we think of harvest as, I don't know, September, October. But in this, it's actually the summer. It's called the day at uh, the Feast of Pentecost because it was to follow 50 days after Passover. Yes. 50 Pentecost, okay? 50 days after Passover, the first fruits would start to come. May, I don't know what the first fruits are. I didn't study it. I don't know if it's olives. I don't know if it's, you know, uh, pomegranates. I don't know what the first thing was. Carrots. That, yeah. carrots? It might have been carrots. <laughs> Oh, cherry. It's cherries. It could have been cherries. I don't know if they have cherry trees. Do they have cherries in the Middle East? I don't know. Um, maybe that's what's, pro- the, what's wrong with the Middle East. They don't have cherries. Um, the hard, so this, but we would, we would liken it to summer. And then there's the ingathering, which has to do with their labor, and that's in the fall. That's also known as the Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of Tabernacles that we saw. Okay. Now, I am not making a prediction here. Please don't mishear me. But notice, one, in the first one, the church is saved. Our Passover lamb, right? The second, the church is empowered at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes, and what happens? The Holy Spirit indwells man for the first time. Up to that point, the Holy Spirit came upon man, but had never indwelled man. Anybody see what the, what's remaining the ingathering at the end, the church is gathered or raptured out. Okay? Now, I am not making a date prediction. I am not saying the rapture will happen at the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of, of Tabernacles, which happens in the, it happens in generally in September. Some people are very dogmatic about this because of this pattern. Okay? They're very dogmatic. That's when this rapture has to happen. And every September or Feast of Tabernacles and Trumpets that comes by, they, they're disappointed because they've got to live a whole other uh, revolution around the sun you know, before the Lord comes back. I, I'm not dogmatic about that. But the picture is clearly there. These two events have happened, this ingathering, the end of the age, the celebration that all that is going to be harvested is harvested is yet to happen. And believe me, I don't think there's any coincidence that it's called the Feast of Trumpets. Okay? Now again, do not say Mitch Dobson is a date setter that Mitch Dobson is saying the rapture is going to happen at the Feast of Trumpets. There are really good arguments that it has to happen in the spring. There's really good arguments, date and calendar arguments that has to happen in the spring. All of that to say, I'm just really glad we don't have to know. I'm glad we don't have to figure it out. Praise God. I'm really glad that we are supposed to live our lives with anticipation that the, and, and, and accountability that the Lord could come back any day. So victory principle three, present yourself before God and enjoy his feast. Again, do not walk away from here thinking I'm saying it's, you, you have to walk into God's feast like, oh, Ho-hum, who, Eeyore, and who's the one from, uh, from Peanuts that's always the one that's down the cloud of Minus. Like, it's not, it's, not, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. So we'll close with 1 Corinthians 5, 8. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, 
neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but notice this, with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Let's go before the Lord sincerely and in truth, and he'll bless us. We can enjoy each other's company, and we can enjoy the feast that we'll have. There is coming a beautiful feast. It's the marriage supper of the Lamb. We didn't even get into that. The marriage supper of the Lamb will happen after that in-gathering. After that rapture of the church, there is going to be the best party you've ever gone to. Because you're going to be celebrating your wedding. You're going to be celebrating your relationship with the Lord in his presence. That's going to be a beautiful day. And if you don't have the confidence that you're going to be part of that in-gathering, if you don't know definitively that you've put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you, this is like you're not sure you understand, you're not sure you fit into this picture, I implore you, implore you, get me after class, go to church, get me after church, go to forward, let's talk about this. It is super important. You don't default into this state. The default state is enemy or enmity with God, the default state is focused on yourself. It actually takes the Lord Jesus Christ changing you to get you to have a right focus. You literally can't have a right focus. You can try to have a right focus, but you really can't without the Lord fundamentally changing you from the inside. So I beg you, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, please grab me after, and we need to talk about this. Because there was a Passover sacrifice, and there is coming a day when the harvest will be done. The work will be over, and the counting will, be, will, will begin, and I beg you to be part of that number. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for loving.